Amen. Are you excited? Are you ready this morning? One more time, tell somebody it's good to see you in church. Yes. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Something that's somewhat of an incantation for the believer. But today, I trust that the Holy Ghost will grant us light. And we will see from it a verse of Psalm 23. What the Lord would have us know today and indeed in this time Psalm 23 please can I have it on the screen Psalm 23 you ought to know it by heart everybody say the Lord is my shepherd yes yes he makes me and he does what yes what else uh-huh for yes I will fear what for yes yes in the yes and my cup and this is the best part yeah will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever give yourselves a hand hallelujah that's our closing charge the benediction in this church God has very interesting ways of affirming to me as to the correctness or otherwise of what it is I decide to teach each Sunday or in each meeting. So yesterday I was caught in this satanic traffic. Uh, I was built to be with the music people, um, franchise music at their meeting place, rehearsal studio in Surulere. And as a 9 a.m., I was in Surulere, a rehearsal that should start from 8 till 12. So I was to join them from 9, 9.30. And as at 9 or little after 9, I was in Surulere already. And I was in this traffic for two hours, only to be led to a path to turn back to the island. And then I came back to the island and insisted, went through Third Mainland Bridge, went through Yaba, and came back. Uh, eventually joined them just before 12. Praise God. Now, Whilst I was in traffic, I began to pray in the spirit because I just thought maybe God wanted my attention and my, my, I have a very, very high consideration for listening to the Holy Ghost. I believe that in every detail of our lives, he speaks. And if you listen to his urges and his warnings, you can even avoid traffic. <laughs> so once I find myself in a quagmire, what I usually ask is, okay, maybe I wasn't sensitive or I there was some urge I didn't listen to. So I thought, okay, let me take the time and pray. And I'll have at least a good one hour. So I began to pray in tongues and I prayed for one hour. Just about midway whilst I was praying, I'd been struggling with today's teaching because it's from the Psalms. And usually the Psalms are used more for admonition, for charges, for prayer, for affirmations and confessions. We usually don't consider the Psalm as a basis for teaching doctrine. But that's that's a failing of teachers of the word not knowing how to trace Jesus in scripture. Or we barely just trace Jesus to a verse and a thought. So whilst I was worried about it and thinking, what do I teach today? Why don't I find something deeper? You know, as I said, God has very interesting ways. So I'm supposed to speak to this verse 6, goodness and mercy. Guess what? Awkwardly, what are the chances? Suddenly, where I was in my car, down the bridge on a papa road, I just looked up the bridge. The Holy Ghost just turned my eyes. Look up the bridge. And I saw a truck. Guess what was written on it? Goodness and mercy. I said, okay. Thank you, Holy Ghost. <laughs> That's the message. If I was stubborn before, now I get it. So I was taken through traffic just to know that today, 
what I'm supposed to talk about is goodness and mercy. So, first of all, receive it in the assurance that this is what the Lord will have you here. And that should be comforting. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, David, when he wrote Psalm 23, was speaking not only as one who had come to the realization of God's goodness, but he wrote it as one who himself was experienced in shepherding. It was easy for David to write it. And this is where the brilliance of the mind through the medium of meditation is important even in the journey of your faith as you walk with God. One of the challenges we have in the body of Christ in the church today is that people usually reject intelligence and brilliance as spiritual. There's a tendency to think that once something is too brilliant, it's head knowledge. We label it head knowledge. People who are intelligent, people who like to go deep within. But you forget that the first word in the word intelligent is the word in. And the word in suggests that it is spiritual. It is something people have to go deep within themselves. To. I mean, it's actually speaking of your heart. It's not speaking of your literal pouch. It says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of your heart will flow rivers. And take note, these rivers i have taught you in this church that in Genesis, there was one source that gave four rivers. Now, the good thing with all those rivers is that laden in each river were treasures that beautified and enriched every land to which they flowed. So it doesn't matter what message we preach, as long as it flows from the same river, it blesses. In other words, today we are speaking holiness. God is not being angry that day. No, he just wants you to share in his holiness. Because most people come to church and say, today, I hope they're going to preach grace. Today, I hope they're going to preach prosperity. Today, you want us to preach what speaks to your current situation. But whatever river the Holy Ghost allows to flow your way, in other words, the word, what eventually happens is that it is laden with treasures. It blesses you no matter what. Praise God. So, goodness and mercy this morning, see it from the perspective of a man who himself was a shepherd. Somebody who was very intelligent and had taken time to meditate as a shepherd on his trade. So, what he did as a business, what he did as his trade, he sat down and thought about it and felt the same way I shepherd must be the way God shepherds me. And Jesus himself then gives us this as a template for judging the goodness of God. Saying that what you see in man is a shadow of what God is. Because God is the source of that which man has. Please give me Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11. I want you to see this. So that you understand that this is the template Jesus himself gave us for judging any virtue or any quality in the nature of God. What does it say? It says, if you then... Though you are evil, in other words, in your nature, in your makeup, in your constitution, you are given to doing and being evil. It says, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, what the scripture basically is saying is to know the goodness of God, look at, start with the goodness of man. If a man, the passion, the desire is there to do good to their own children, Consider that God himself is your father. So in other words, God is the first fruit in every profession, in every expression. Before man started to father, God was the first father. And where man got that natural tendency, what you call the mother instinct from, is God. So God was the first to express that. That's why David said, what is man that you are mindful of him? In other words, what is it about this, your children, that you don't think right when it comes to them? 
the way you go after them the way you care for them the way you fight fight like a cat you get into a cat fight over them that's actually how god cares for us so jesus uses men as a shadow to tell you that if men will have this much desire and run towards their children you have the guarantee that the same way god who was the first father and from whom that father streak and the mother instinct comes will be good to you secondly give me matthew 8 9 matthew 8 9 matthew 8 9 matthew chapter 8 and verse 9 for i myself am a man under authority now this is a centurion a leader of a group of hundred a roman soldier speaking to jesus he wanted jesus to come and heal his servant now hear the thought the thought, the mind with which he approached Jesus. He said, for I myself am a man under authority. Just like David is a shepherd and he uses his being a shepherd to understand how God shepherds us. This man also is using his own experience and his trade as a soldier to understand how God has authority or exercises authority. He says, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. Next verse. Next verse. When Jesus heard this, he was what? Astonished. It must have been the same feeling when David wrote Psalm 23. God must have been like, wow, how amazing that your mind could capture me and my essence and my expression based on what you do. The same way this man being a soldier was doing exactly what David did when he wrote Psalm 23. He said, when Jesus heard what he said, he was astonished and said to those following him, that you morons see your mate he said i tell you the truth i have not found anyone when he says i've not found anyone what is he trying to tell them he said all of you are dolos you you're just following like cows see your mate he said i tell you the truth i have not found anyone in israel with such great faith if you read the rest of the gospels you're going to find there's also a woman who is a canaanite a canaanite who came to jesus once her daughter was sick and the bible says she pleaded with the lord to heal and what did the lord say the Lord said, it is not right to give the children's bread. To who? To dogs. But the woman said, yes it is. And Jesus was wondering, what do you mean by yes it is? He said, because even the crumbs that falls from the table of the children are eaten by what? The dogs. And does it not satisfy them? It does. It quenches their hunger. It satisfies them. So Jesus was like, wow, I have not seen such great faith anywhere in Israel. He says, your daughter is healed go your way praise god so i did all this to show you that a fruitful mind is a necessity in receiving the virtues of god what did i say a fruitful mind is a necessity in receiving the virtues of god it's not only important that we see what david was saying but see how david came by this revelation that's why joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says to you that you should meditate on the word not just read the word not just quote the word meditate on the word in other words, the same way David was able to come by that revelation, you can when you look at the realities in your life and you see how the grace of God flows. You should be able to find God in what you do. You should be able to find God in how the things that you do flow, how the things in nature abound in their courses. That's what the Bible is simply saying to you. So let's go back to David in Psalm 23. So David is a shepherd and David is a very creative guy. David is a musician. David is a writer. And you see, creativity is the first revelation of God. I hope you know that. You're looking at me like I just committed a heresy. Creativity is the first revelation of God. 
in the beginning God created. And you know the first manifestation of the Holy Ghost is relative to creativity. He moved over the deep, the waters. The first time we hear that the Holy Spirit comes upon a man, Bezalel and the Holy have been in Exodus chapter 31. What does the Bible say? That they had the ability to craft different things. So don't play with creativity. But what is the source of creativity? Thoughts. Thoughts. Psalm 92 verse 5. Look at this. Psalm 92 verse 5. So don't play with thoughts. God has a faculty. He thinks and so should you. Praise God. How great are your works, O Lord? Look at how the Bible connects God's thoughts. It is on the basis of his what? His works. His creation. We know your thoughts by the things that you bring forth. It says, how great are your works, O Lord? How profound your thoughts. I don't like this translation. Give me a translation that says, your thoughts, O Lord, are very deep. I need that translation. I think it's either New King James or which one. It says, how deep are your thoughts? It says, your thoughts, O Lord, are very deep. So you don't know a deep person just by what they say, it's by what they produce. What did I say? You don't know depth just by what is said, but by what is produced. Because the point of depth is so that there can be fruit. There's a fruit of thoughts. That's what the Bible calls, or what we call the fruit of the mind. The fruit of the mind. And the greatest fruit of your mind is the knowledge of God. To come to a place where you see God for what he is. Isaiah 55 says, your thoughts are, your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts than our thoughts. There, there is a way God reasons. There is a frequency, a level at which he reasons. He says, come, let us reason together. Though your sin be as what? They shall be... Oh yeah. So there is a reasoning faculty that God has. And there is an engagement of God at a level, at the level of reasoning. That the believer must be introduced to and established in. Once you throw away the prerogative of meditation, you really can never connect with God. Because even the word that you read and hear requires deep thinking and deep thoughts to understand. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7. Because you know the church is just full of people who are always labeling people. Uh, this ones are just talking from head knowledge. No, 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 no. You need to get away from that. You can't praise God effectively without thoughts. You can't even judge your life and, and God's faithfulness. What did he say? He says, think over what I say. What did he say? Think. Did you see the word think? Oh, in church we should think? Yes. It says, think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Give me the message translation. I like how the message translation says it. Don't worry. You're going to see that it's a patch together. You look at it. It says, think it over. God will make it all plain. In other words, the source of revelation is meditation. <laughs> the, the, the only way you can come to revelation is meditation. Until you employ your heart. The Bible usually uses the word heart, mind, interchangeably. Until you employ your heart in thinking. In the faith, we think with our heart. I hope you know that. You don't know that? The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Do you think with your heart? What the Bible is really saying is that your mind and your heart are connected. What one covets is what the other one desires. Do you know that? Before your heart starts to long for a girl, your mind first accepted she's beautiful. I've told you, for example, for most of you young people, your sex organ is not your penis or your vagina. I hope you know that. I think, ah, what kind of biology is that? No, it's not. Is your mind. 
They don't have eyes. They don't know. It is your mind that tells it. There's a babe. She's naked. Start rising. <laughs> that's what it does. That's how you. Know. <laughs> that's what it does. So that's why it is your mind that you must wash in the water of the word. It is your mind that you must guard with all diligence. But the Bible calls it your heart because what it leads to is your heart. The desires of your heart are the fruit of the thoughts of your mind. So also the praise of God, the appreciation of the works of God, the goodness of God in your life, it is only to the degree that you appreciate God from deep thoughts that you are able to really appreciate him. You see, many of us struggle when we come and say God is good. And you look at the realities around you and you say, how is God good if I'm going through the things that I'm going through? That's a sign of a shallow thinker. And I'm not talking of all those lame, oh, you woke up this morning, he slept you down. <laughs> we, we saw kinds of things in church. He laid me down on my bed. Did he really? You laid down on your bed. But <laughs> he made you sleep. He gave you sleep. You know, all those basic things I, I i didn't die other people have died that's even a very wicked thing to say don't rejoice over the death of other people that's not god god didn't kill them and spare you <laughs> you know christians uh, they just come and say oh today we rejoice let's thank god some people died last night now if you are saying that to say i thank god that i still have the opportunity to be here to fulfill my days and the purpose of the Lord for my days. That's okay. What if you are saying it to mean that, so that means I am more blessed than those who have died. You are quite ignorant. You are quite ignorant. Because guess what? Jesus was first amongst the dead. In the new covenant, he is the first to taste eternal death and to come back to eternal life in our behalf. So what wrong did Jesus do? In fact, it was you who did wrong and he died for you. And me. Praise God. So, we need deep thinking to judge God rightly. That's what I'm trying to teach you this morning. What do I say? You need deep thinking to judge God what? Rightly. Your ability to appreciate the goodness of God requires a mind that is high level. I keep telling you that in this church. Everything is based on what you see. Until the eyes of Elisha's servant was opened, he would argue, beat anybody up to say, it's only two of us here against the rest of the world. But all along, the hosts of eternity were standing on the heights of the mountains, defending them. There were more for them than those against them. It's an opening of the eyes, but it comes in the place of meditation, of contemplation. So Psalm 23 is a product of such, and there is more. The Psalms have not ended. As long as you and I live, more Psalms should be written daily. We should take chronicles of our journey and the faithfulness of God over time. I know you hate this kind of messages because it is not routing your cheers and pushing you all over. But I'm calling you to the mountain of meditation. To the place where your eyes see beyond what appears. So that you judge God rightly. Because in the midst of the noise and the fires that are being lit today around us, both in nation, in your life, in communities, in business, in your work, there's a tendency for people to label things wrongly. There's a tendency for people to judge things wrongly. There's a tendency for us to account things wrongly. To label God himself wrongly. But the goodness of God is upon you. Unrepentantly so. And I'm going to show you today by the time I'm done. But I'm inviting you first to being fruitful in your mind. Tell somebody, use your mind. Take note, I didn't say brain. No, I said use your mind. 
Say it again. Use your mind. God is too deep to be appreciated without using your mind. Say, use your mind. The things the scriptures say about him, you appreciate them when you use your mind. Say, use your mind. Yes, use your mind. Those who went before you use their minds. Think over it. You just read it. 2 Timothy 2.7 And God will then make it plain. The things that you don't understand, like saying God is good in this kind of Nigeria, and yet God is good. In this my life where I can't parent, and God is still good. With all these boyfriends that have broken my heart, and you are saying God is good. It's easy for you to say, with this no food, once we leave this service now, some of you don't know what you're going to eat, and you are saying God is good. You are saying God is good. My parents are about to get divorced. You are saying God is good. My marriage is about to hit the rocks. You are saying God is good. I've been looking for a job for a year. I don't have a job. You are saying God is good. My husband is irritating me. My wife is annoying me consistently. How good is this God? You are saying God is good. And all the dreams, all the projects I've been trying to pursue, you are saying at eye level. I invite you to the class of David, the centurion and the Syrophoenician for you to see at the plain where God dwells. Deep thoughts, deep thoughts, deep calls to deep. God is good to those who can see beyond their eyes. Praise God. So back to Psalm 23 and verse 6. Psalm 23 and verse 6 again. So everybody together, let's read. Surely, goodness, no, no, don't give me goodness and no, goodness and mercy. I want it. They mean the same thing, yes, but goodness and mercy. I want that. Can we have that? New King James or something. Yes, everybody together. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for forever. So first thing I want you to say this morning, look at anybody you consider blessed. Anyone in this room that you consider blessed, which I believe is everybody, and say to them, say this to them very strongly don't keep your mouth shut now don't say i like to mind my business i want you to get up if you have to get up go to the person if they are sitting far away somebody that you just consider blessed you consider them very blessed and i want you to say to them are you ready are you sure that you're ready you are ready and you promise me you're going to do what i'm about to tell you to do eh? so go to the person now where's the person you're with each other yes go to the person you think they are blessed? <laughs> Hallelujah. Eh? Eh, you can come to me if you want to. Please come to me. Come to me. Because I want this to register. Come, come, come. You can come to me. If you think I'm blessed. Because I believe you are blessed. And I want us to say this together. <laughs> I can see there's a parade going on at the back there. With Pastor Gwenga. Praise God. Are you ready for this? Because why I'm making it this dramatic is I want it to be registered. I want it to be entered into the, 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 the lexicon of your soul. To be registered in your spirit and never ever to live. Hold that person tightly. Then look them eyeball to eyeball right inside their eyes. Not to marry them, you young men. No, but look, look, look. Look very well. Yes. Uh, you, know, you can't tempt me. Sorry, I'm married. Look at, but, but look at me. Look at me very well. Now say, say after me. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Are your village people? Are your village people? That's what he says. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow. All the days of your life. So say it again. Goodness and mercy. They are my village people. Yeah. 
If you ever feel you're being followed, it's goodness and mercy. Now, the problem is, is that how you feel? So that's why I then told you about deep thoughts. The man who wrote this was a shepherd. First Samuel chapter 17. Let's look at First Samuel chapter 17 from verse 34. So that you see, when you read the Psalms, there's a background to them. The Psalms are not just poems. It's not somebody who is just very brilliant and creative. No, that's what I'm telling you about brilliance and creativity. Brilliance and creativity are divine essences. They are virtues that come from the Father. Now, men can distort and pervert them and make them available to other things outside of God. But they in themselves and in their essence are pure and divine. Praise God. Now, see, he says, but David said to Saul, listen, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. Now, this is the man who wrote Psalm 23. So you see why he wrote it that way. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. Does, does this sound different from the soldier we read about? Your father used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, every time they came to take a lamb, what would happen? Look at it. I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard. Some others say by his neck. And what did I do? I struck and killed it. Next. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. Most translations actually say lions and bears. In other words, I have rehearsed with lions and bears so long. So it's not this Philistine. This one is a joker. Because I, I've told you in this church before. If you really think of the story of David and his victory over Goliath. If I put a lion down, a giant down, which one will you face? And you have to face one. Which one will you face? Which one is easier? A giant. Because a giant is still a human being. He can reason with you. You can trick it. There's no language. There's no connection. There's no com commissioning. There's no, there's no way of reasoning with a lion. Have you ever seen a lion? I've told you a tiger is almost about 13 meters. I mean, uh, almost 6, 7 meters long. Those things are ferocious. They are feisty. They are vociferous. They tear people apart. One pounds, you are dead. God made those beasts mighty in their, in their appearance and in their form. When God was trying to deal with Job and bring him back to his senses, to the same someone I'm summoning you to, to now, to deep thoughts. What did he say to him? He said, have you considered the way of the Leviathan in the waters? Did you create it? Were you there? Do you know how many falls I put in its body? Do you know how it kills? Do you know how it moves? Do you know how it eats? Do you know what it does? When God wants to humble you, he tells you about his creation. The Bible says every, there's no language where their voice is not heard. Without speaking, we see them. The same sun gives the ray of the light that brightens every nation, but in courses of different times. One sun, the same moon, lights the night. And it just reduces their temperature. And he has set it eternally. None has ever failed, except at the voice of one man named Joshua. When the sun stopped for the sake of taking the loot of war. But it takes deep thoughts. To think like this. So it says your servant has struck down both lions. Thank you for this translation. And bears. And, the uncirc and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. What David was basically saying is. If I cannot bear to see. And I am a man with frailty and fault. I can't bear to see that one of my father's sheep. And do you know how the Bible describe, describes David's father's sheep? It says they were few and scrawny. In other words they were lean. They were malnourished. It was a poor herd. And the Bible says David had such passion for them. They were not human beings. So when you see those herders in Nigeria killing a man for their cow, this is the spirit. God has already given you a background 
But the problem is that you don't have the thought of David. The way David was able to look at his own life and see that he cannot bear for his father's hurt to be depleted. That he would rather give, risk his life to save one sheep. He must have thought, how much more will God defend me? If the life of this sheep means a lot to me and I'm a human being, how much more will God fight to defend me? That's how David thought. So when David was telling the king, let me take this guy, he was coming from the understanding that the heart of love he had for his sheep and God who backed it up and defended it, this guy is nothing in comparison to that experience. Praise God. Then give me John chapter 10. Let's read from verse 1. I want you to see that many years after, David was already walking in his own life in the spirit of Jesus. John chapter 10. Look at verse 1. Look at it. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Go on. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The shepherd of the sheep. Go on. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Next. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. They are describing now the credential, the CV of the shepherd. When he brings them out, all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Next. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Next. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. They did not understand what he was saying to them. Say deep thoughts. Deep thoughts. Now let me tell you a few things about sheep. Very quickly, so that you can appreciate what David is saying in Psalm 23 verse 6. Just leave Psalm 23 verse 6 there. Say it again, goodness and mercy. They are my village people. They follow me. They follow me. Come on, say they follow me. Leave it there, Psalm 23 verse 6. Leave it there, leave it there. Put it on. Psalm 23 verse 6 in the NKJV. Please bring it on, I'm waiting. Thank you. Now, let me tell you a few things about sheep. Number one. What David began writing in verse 1 of Psalm 23 was a story, a journey, which he concluded in verse 6. So, Verse 6 of Psalm 23 is the conclusion of a trend of thought. Take note of that. Now, what led to this conclusion of surely, because he uses the word surely, some translations say certainly it is guaranteed that goodness and mercy will follow me, is a function of who is behind him. So he says in verse 1 that the Lord is, that's his position, my shepherd. That's what guarantees me that goodness and mercy will follow me. In other words, because I'm the son, I belong to the shepherd. I have the guarantee that my security that go after me, my bodyguards are goodness and mercy. So one of the issues with sheep is that sheep always stray. See after me, they always stray. Yes. So when David wrote this, he wasn't writing it only from the perspective of me being the sheep that the master loves, so he follows me to protect me. He had already addressed that earlier. When you were quoting it, you said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me against whatever will come against me. By his rod and his staff, he meant the staff of the shepherd. Because by it, he fights and shoes away those who come. When David said, 
he fought the lions and bears with what? He said with his club. It was with his staff. That's what gives comfort. So when the sheep are following their shepherd and they see the staff in his hand, they are at rest. Knowing that if any trouble comes, he would with it fight for them. Praise God. Hallelujah. And it is by that rod Moses parted the sea and brought the people also as a shepherd. So you see that the figures, the emblems of scripture, they are aligned. They are aligned. God intentionally used the rod where Moses was concerned. Say his rod and his staff, they comfort me. See, some people have described that scripture to mean that the discipline and the punishments of God. No, 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 no. Give me the message translation. Let me show you. Or TPT. Give me TPT. So that you see it. Because we need to correct some, some thoughts. The passion translation. Where is it? Hurry, 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 hurry. From verse 4. From verse 4. The passion translation. Hurry, 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 hurry. You don't have the Passion Translation? Do you have the message? Bring it. I want you to see that that rod and staff doesn't mean that he punishes you. It's that he defends you with it. Look at it. It says, your beauty and love. No, no, this is verse 6. Give me from verse 4. Or even from verse 1. Let's read it together. Have you ever read this thing in the Passion Translation? It's like a novel. It almost sounds as if it's a conversation between two lovers. Some of these versions are a bit suspect. It says, God my shepherd. I don't need a thing. Yes, go on. Go on, go on, quickly, please. Yeah, you have bedded me down. Imagine all these funny translations. So you have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. Next. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Yes? Even when the way goes through death valley. You see, see, when the way goes through. Does that confirm what I taught you some weeks ago where I said... Bad things don't happen to good people. Good people just have a wrong view of things. Because what the Bible says is when the way goes through, it doesn't mean he's taking you to. It just passes through that way. There's no way of traveling to Abuja without driving on certain roads and routes. But that's not your destination. So it says even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel what? Secure. It makes me feel secure because he uses them against the lion and the bear that come to steal from the sheepfold, from the herd. That's what it's meant for. Praise God. Hallelujah. So go back to Psalm 23 verse 6 in, in the NKJV. So back to what I was saying. So, because sheep stray, because sheep stray, if you read the original Hebrew, you will find the heart and the mind of David actually in using this scripture. And I need to show you that very quickly. What David was really saying was that because I am bound to stray, and indeed I do stray, goodness and mercy will chase me. Let me show you that. The original translation of that word, follow, is actually chase. The same way you say your witches, witches, your village. That's why I say your village people. The way that you say they are following you. What follows a believer? It's goodness and mercy. Even if it doesn't feel like that. Praise God. Okay, so I wanted to see this. Psalm 23 verse 6. I want to find you the words in the Hebrew. So you know, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament written in Greek. I need you to see this. This is so much of a blessing. Now, the word will follow me is actually the Hebrew word yiridapuni. Say after me, yiridapuni. Yiridapuni means three things. It is to pursue, to chase, and guess what? To actually persecute. So, when Peter asked Jesus the question, what shall be given to us? 
if we leave everything to follow you. John 10 tells you that he leads and they what? They follow. What did Jesus say to Peter? He didn't say, how dare you ask that question? You're very carnal. Your mind is on material things. He said, what you are going to get is a hundredfold of everything you live plus persecution. Do you know what persecution means? You will be followed. There will be DSS. You will be followed. The word you deponent means to pursue, to chase, and to persecute. Because we stray. I've come this morning to give you the guarantee that there's no sin sinful enough that can veer you off the mark until you are out of God's sight. Because you have two details, two bodyguards, their name goodness and mercy. It is on their life to make sure that you are found and brought back to base. That's what he meant when he said he will leave the 99 and chase the one. Now, if a man named David exemplified it, how much more will your heavenly father guarantee that? What I've come to do this morning is to bring your mind back to the right place. Where circumstances have no effect on your thoughts. Where you come to the height of the mountain of revelation. To the place where you can see clearly and not at eye level as I've been saying. But the problem with the church is most believers hate that level, that realm of thought. You just like for people to tell you and leave it. No, everybody must come to creative thoughts. When you see God in the light of your life. Where the things that you are able to do is a mark to you that that's only a shadow of what God is able to do. Where the things that you cannot bear is a mark to you that that's a shadow of what God cannot bear. When one of God's holy lovers die, what happens? It's costly to God. That's what it means precious. The word precious in the Hebrew is actually the word costly. What it means is that it costs God a lot to lose one. That's what happens. That's why they can't leave that ship. What God has invested is too much. So sometimes when brothers and sisters die in the church, it's not really good. It costs God a lot. Sometimes we just have bad habits. It's not every time that it's, it's uh, you know, you don't know what God has written. Maybe they're supposed to die. Sometimes we live badly. It hurts God's heart when one of his own dies. So just imagine the passion of the Lord for you. How can you in this life and in these situations think to yourself that God is not good? Where did you get it from? What circumstances speaking to you? What experiences talking to you and telling you that God is not good? God has sent me this morning to announce to you that that's a lie. What the devil usually does is to subject the tongue of God to debate. The greatest problem of man since the Garden of Eden has been the battle between fact and truth. The fact that what Satan points to you, you will find it to be so. When Satan took Jesus to the height of the mountain and said, I will give you all this, he wasn't lying, he could. Because if he could not, Jesus would have said to him, how dare you, you want to give me what I created. But God respects order and law. This world is in the power of the prince of the air. Of this world, Satan. So he can give things to men. Jesus did not contest that. He didn't contest it. And guess what? As my dear friend, uh, Pastor Obed will say. He said, and that's actually the easiest way for evangelism. You know why? Because it's not the world Jesus came to save. So if Satan gave you the world, it's just to take it and save the world, right? It's faster. It's faster. You said you came to the world to save the world. Somebody's offering you that world on a platter of gold. What will most of you say? Say, ah, my job is easy. 
is to accept the world. But the source of your gift determines the purpose of your gift and affects the use of your gift. You can't change that. That's why Paul had to shut the mouth of that lady, that young girl that was a soothsayer, the fortune teller. Why? Was she lying? She was telling a fact that these are the ones who bring the message of salvation to us. She was right. But if Paul endorsed her tongue and said, yes, she's right, he's endorsing the spirit behind her tongue. So he had to stop it. That's it. I've told you also, the witch of Endor, who do you think he brought out? It was a real Samuel. It was not a fake Samuel. Those things work, oh. I've told you, they work. He brought out Samuel, actually. But when Samuel came and gave the message of God to Saul, his heart was broken all the more. So it was pointless. It was pointless. People, sheep stray. And because sheep stray, what God has done is to put a guard behind you so that you do not run alone. Then the second thing I want you to notice about this, it says, go back to Psalm 23 and verse 6. So I can close now. Psalm 23 verse 6. I want you to see this. Psalm 23, 6. Now it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. But it says, It's all the days of my life. All the days of my life. On Thursday, for those of you who joined prayer, you would have heard me when I said this. I was speaking to this. But as I told you, I was about to skip it and go to another subject. But then the Holy Ghost told me, No, stay on it. I want you to teach it in church. When every new year begins, what do we do? On the 31st night, what is everybody looking for? A word on what? What the next year will be. Right? And don't lie to yourself. Most of you like it. You want to know it's the year of acceleration. Because in your mind, you need to move from where you are now to where Sinachi is. Today, today. So you want it to be the year of what? Acceleration. Some of you want it to be the year of double portion. Right? Yeah. Because you've been single all your life. It'd be nice to be double and be married. Praise God. Some of you want it to be the year of what? Give me all those years. Year of fruitfulness. Oh, women who are not pregnant, they will love that. This is the year I'm going to have a child. Give me another one. Supplied. The year of the open door. You have been looking for a contract for so long. And finally, God says to you, it's the year of the open door. The first thing your mind goes to what? Is that that contract will click. That's what you think. Now, when you are in doubt what year it is, remember this. All the days of my life is always a year of goodness and mercy. When in doubt, refer to Psalm 23 verse 6. It says all the days. It is not assured for one day. And it is not suspended on another day. Because that's another problem with some of those promises. It's as though this year was the year of acceleration. The next year is the year of open door. So acceleration has stopped. It's only door that's going to open now. No, 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 no. There are different emphases in the spirit. That men may be led to declare. Doesn't mean that God in all his dimensions and many sides is now stopped. The God who is your provider doesn't stop being your provider in the year of open doors and only opens doors. It's not true. And the God of the open door doesn't stop opening doors in a year of acceleration because now it's speed we want. No, it's not true. He still keeps opening doors. It's the same God every year, every time, in every situation, in every circumstance. Praise God. So it says, surely goodness and mercy shall be your village people all the days of your life. All the days of your life. Question, are there days we call bad days? Be honest. 
Aren't there days you call bad days? Where's goodness and mercy on those days? They are following you. They are what? They are following you. You don't agree because you don't feel it. You don't agree because you don't have manifest evidence to prove it. But the Bible says they follow you all the days of your life. Never ever again open your mouth or employ your tongue to declare that there is a day called a bad day. Believers don't have a bad day. Every day is goodness and mercy. Say every day is goodness and mercy. And let me tell you something about mercy. One of the descriptions of mercy, Psalm 118. Goodness and mercy always follow each other. I hope you know that. Psalm 118, Psalm 148. Many Psalms. It says, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Have you ever considered that word endures? Do you know why the word endured was used? Because when it came to goodness, we're told that the Lord is good. It's his nature. I hope you know that God is not good because you are obedient. He is who he is. Yeah. Let all men be liars and God be true. So God's goodness is not subject to you. You are subject to his goodness. Praise God. But when it comes to mercy, the Bible says it endures forever. Why? Because you are stubborn. So mercy is patient with you. That's why the word endures is used. The same boyfriend's house, you know you are going back there tomorrow, even after this sermon. Mercy will still endure. Sometimes it's almost as if mercy is telling God, Guy, Baba, I need to woes this girl. She's not hearing because like five churches he has been to now and all the pastors are saying the same thing and she's still following this guy meanwhile she'll come and cry to the poor pastor that her heart is broken they told her to leave it God will tell mercy endure be patient <laughs> yeah sometimes mercy is like God I'm tired I'm tired of following she's, she's too much of a diva I don't like this I don't want that He's always complaining, no thanksgiving, no praise, no worship, no gratitude in his heart. Every word that falls from his lips is always murmuring, groaning, grumpy, sad. There's no affirmation or confession of the divine. No proclamation of God's goodness. Everything that comes from your tongue is always negative. If God, then this. Why not? Why me? Every time. And mercy is tired. Mercy is saying to God, send another angel. <laughs> and God says, ah, I told you to watch my daughter. He said, she sent another angel. My friend, stay there. So mercy has to endure. <laughs> mercy needs endurance. Goodness is with God. Mercy follows goodness. Wherever goodness goes, mercy must go. Wherever goodness goes, mercy must go. Why? Because mercy is a fruit of God's goodness. It is on the basis of God's goodness we are guaranteed mercy. The prophet says, because he does not change. In other words, his goodness does not change. He doesn't shift. There are no shifting parts in him. He's the father of light in him. There's no variableness, no shadow of turning, no dark glare. So because he does not change, what does the Bible say? It says, then we, the sons of Jacob, are not consumed. One is consequent upon the other. If God changes, you'll be consumed. The reason you cannot be consumed is that he is established in goodness. He has no shifting, no moving parts. His goodness is set upon his throne. He can never, you can't out it, you can't offend it. So also is the mercy of God. As long as the goodness of God keeps following you, mercy has no choice. It must follow you. 
into your errors, into your stupidity, into your failings, into your shortcomings, into your stubbornness, into anything. Mercy must pally follow goodness to deliver you. So never again call a day a bad day. He says it is all the days of your life. When you are in doubt, what year it is. Is there a year that doesn't have days? Is there a month that doesn't have days? Is there a week that doesn't have days? Days are the common denominator of time. In fact, when the Bible says days, it's actually speaking of years. Because the Bible says, to God, a thousand years. It says what? Yeah. So the highest denominator of time in the spirit is actually days. When the Bible says many days, it's talking of thousands of years. Generations. Many days. When the Bible speaks of the third day. It's speaking of thousands of years. Generations. Many days. So please, never ever, as long as it is still called day, and it is still a day, goodness and mercy they are following you so as long as it is called day goodness and mercy are following me then the other thing i'm going to tell you now is the phrase and i will dwell say and i will dwell now this is speaking of eternity and this is a time when many of you hate to hear about eternity but that's only because you do not understand what eternity is eternity is an opportunity to consummate a marriage Eternity is an opportunity for you to finally put a face to the bridegroom that purchased you. It is like a woman who got married in Nigeria but her, her groom is in London. And you have been waiting for a long time. You are dying to touch him. It is the consummation of a marriage. And if you understand it, your heart will long for it. Paul was speaking about eternity and said, I don't even know which one I like. He said, if I stay here, it will be for your profit. But if I die, it's my gain. And he says, to die is gain. That's how much you wanted to be with God. All these songs you sing about, I just want to be where you are. I want to be with God. The ultimate expression and translation of that, that proclamation is that you will go into eternity. It may be through the passage of death or it may be that Jesus will come whilst you are still on the earth. But eternal life is guaranteed unto you. Now why am I saying marriage? And I will dwell. I want you to see the Hebrew word. Let me give you that. What did I call what did I call the Hebrew word for? For following. The word yudupeni. And what does it mean? To chase, to follow, and to persecute. In other words, if you are being stubborn, they will beat you. Those angels are assigned to do that. They jack you and say, Shay, you want to be mad. It's not us that you will disgrace. They gave us assignment. We must take you back to the one who sent us. Right? As soon as you're about to press that Uber, to go to the boy's house where the Holy Ghost doesn't want you to go to and you're being stubborn. Goodness and mercy are commanded to just apply surge. 500%. 600% location suddenly becomes 5,000. And then he starts saying, oh. And then you're now praying to the same God. Say, God, let it reduce. That's what goodness and mercy do. They persecute you until you listen. Yeah. Yeah. Once the guy just says, I'm at, the, I'm at the gate of your estate, suddenly rain starts falling. Heavy rain. The time that you can't even go downstairs. Heavy rain. Goodness and mercy. Your village people, they are working. That's how they work. That's how they work. Once that contract is about to click, and the man who gave it to you is going to ask to sleep with you. You just be wondering, I mean, I did everything. I submitted the tender. The LPO was correct. Goodness and mercy. 
they followed you there they made sure to show you that what looked good is not good because goodness knows itself he knows when what you have if it doesn't find alignment with itself it can tell that's not me that's not me goodness is the manifestation mercy is the essence that causes the manifestation to happen praise God so I want you to see the, the word the word for this please don't miss this hallelujah Psalm 23 verse 6 what the Bible meant by and I will dwell I want you to see that praise God now the word or the phrase and I will dwell is from the Hebrew word wesapti say after me wesapti let me say what wesapti means it means to sit down say to sit down to dwell to remain but guess the best part of it it says to settle down in other words to marry to settle down in other words what to marry so goodness and mercy is where you live the house of God that you are looking forward to in eternity is not dying and going to the host of heaven angels floating like they said they're not floating anything no what <laughs> what the Bible says and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever in other words I will be married to the Lord give me Isaiah 62 verse 4 Isaiah chapter 62 and verse 4 quick 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 so the prophets had spoken these things long before can you imagine all these things I'm saying came from Psalm 23 verse 6 one verse of the Bible and we're not done what does it say you shall no longer be turned forsaken are you reading are you in church read it say I shall no longer go on nor shall I land anymore and nor shall, nor shall my land anymore be turned what desolate but I shall be called Hephzibah, and my land, Beulah. For the Lord delights in me, and my land shall be... Aha! That's you. That's eternity. Eternity is a wedding feast. That's why Jesus told the parable of the wedding feast. And long before the New Testament came, David was a man who upon the mountain of Revelation had a picture of eternity. At the time, they just knew that there was a resurrection of the dead but they didn't understand that there's, there's another fellowship in heaven where we will interact with God forever that was not their understanding under the old covenant they didn't know of Jesus returning of the marriage of the lamb but David in the spirit of Christ in the spirit of the Messiah pronounced he's saying I will dwell in the house of the Lord back to Psalm 23 6 I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever now take note he didn't say and I may he says and I will I've told you settle it heaven is done no 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 see get it into your score heaven is a done deal the only issue is what will you have and where will you be there but heaven is a done deal it says I go to my father's house take notice the same word David used Jesus used he didn't say I go to my father's houses it's amazing how one house has many mansions. So unlike you, Jesus does not judge a house by the number of buildings. He judges a house by ownership. If it's the place where the Lord is, it's his house. Do you see? That's why you can be called the house of God. You and I. Peter says we're lively stones fitted together. And we build a temple for the Lord. How come human beings where the presence of the Lord is, is called the house of God. End of story. When Jacob was on his journey to his uncle's house, he put up a stone 
to help him remember when he was coming back on his way that this was the place where he put the stone to mark it so that when the Lord returns and gives him favor and the nation is set up they will build the temple where that stone was kept that's what David said I mean uh, uh, Jacob said but guess what J Jacob called one stone he called it the house of the Lord Beth El the house of the Lord it was just one stone God does not judge his house by buildings by how many Jesus said I'm going to my father's house singular but to prepare what a place for you a place for you praise God so eternity should be looked forward to is something you and I it is the end of the journey of life the journey of your life and all the goodness of God that you enjoy in this earth what goodness and mercy have instructions to do is to bring you back home the prodigal strayed what happened he came to his senses goodness and mercy made sure he ended up with pigs so that he can return home yeah so I've just come this morning to announce to you that whatever you're experiencing it's goodness and mercy that are following you. They're your village people. They are the ones making sure that anything you are doing you ought not to be doing doesn't work so you can come back home. They are the ones ensuring that anything you are doing that you ought to be doing, they work. They have that assignment and that mission from the Father to see to it that the will of God is done in your life. They have a charge to see to it that you draw from the Father the full essence, all that is available in Him. So for the last time, say goodness and mercy. They are my village people. I am followed. Consistently followed. Say year in, year out. Goodness and mercy. It doesn't matter how many clothes I have. Goodness and mercy. It doesn't matter how many projects fail. Goodness and mercy. They are following me. They are following me. When I fall, they are there. When I rise, they are there. When I stray, they are pursuing. They are the ones persecuting me with the difficulties that will lead me back home. Says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I will be fully married. Yes. Do you know to remain in this world is what Isaiah calls being forsaken? Forsaken is not for you to pray and not get answer. No, to be forsaken is that the Lord abandons you without a hope. But you have the assurance that God will not leave you in this world. That's what David meant in Psalm 16 when he said, you will not leave my soul in shell. That's what he meant. You will not leave my soul in shell. This world is as much a hell. I assure you, God will not leave you here. He gave you the Holy Spirit as a deposit. I hope you know that. Do you know that's what the Bible calls the Holy Spirit? It's a deposit that guarantees to you that the master who paid will come back and give pay full price. And full price is his return. When he comes back, he's coming for you as a bride. There will be a wedding feast. In other words, your shame is going to be removed. The world that has laughed at you and seen you have been saying Jesus will come back since, since. All this Jesus will come back. Is Jesus going to ever come back? That day, all eyes will see him and they will know that indeed his word is true. Praise God. And that's when you'll be fully married. Right now, you're half married. You have been betrothed. You belong to him. But the full consummation, the full display of who owns you and to whom you belong, whose own you are, will be made manifest on that day. And David, as far back as the Old Testament, saw it. Now, if David then could look forward to dwelling in the house of the Lord, now being married to God, how much more you, that you are nearer to it than David was. Look, at this time, you must draw solace from looking to your wedding. Say, draw solace from looking to your wedding. Yes, again, it's not a message you people like. Because to talk of heaven is to talk of death. 
But heaven must be spoken about. Because if you know the glory of heaven, you can never desire Nigeria. Let me tell you how to think of heaven. How many of you want to go to Canada? Those of you processing Canada. You know that I know you, so don't pretend. Just raise your hand. You Canada people. Just raise it. You know that we know. Uh-huh. You are processing Canada. So some people on this side, they are keeping quiet, but they know I know that they are processing Canada. Uh-huh. Some of you, it's Australia. They know that I know. Some of you, it's uh, London. It's America. What is prompting your desire to move? What? Because you think that life there is what? It's better. Opportunities abound there. That's how you're supposed to see heaven. You are supposed to be valiantly pursuing eternity. In fact, in the calendar or in the language of the Hebrews, they have a word called Maranatha. It means, come Lord, quickly. <laughs> quickly. How have we fallen in the world, I mean, fallen in love with the world so much that the sound and the words, the thoughts of heaven scales rather than causes us to rejoice. If you can rejoice about going to Canada and living in Nigeria, you ought to rejoice about going to heaven and living the world. Heaven is your Canada. The world is your Nigeria. The best you can find in the world is a shadow of the glory to come. So go back to everything I taught you from the beginning of this message. Just like a human being's goodness is a shadow of God's goodness. So that the Bible says if a man who is evil we give good things to his children. How much more will God give good things to those who ask him? The same way, the world in which you live is a shadow of eternity to come. So that all the goodness and mercy you can enjoy in this world, they still don't compare to being married fully to the Lord in eternity. Your heart must desire it. Do you know the excitement of somebody who's going to America for the first time? Have you ever seen that excitement? It doesn't matter how much you try to pretend that it's not shocking you. It shocks everybody. The first time you got visa, the first time you entered a plane in your life, you were excited. There's, there may be some of you who still haven't entered the plane. There may be some who have. There may be some of you, the, the farthest you have traveled in your life is a Boeing state. There may be some, I'm teasing some people that I know. <laughs> and some of you, at least you've gone to Ghana. To God be the glory, it's also international airport you pass. But guess what? The excitement that you feel when that is happening is what you also ought to feel when you hear of heaven. That is the journey we have set our legs, our feet upon. Following goodness and mercy. I mean, following Jesus the master with goodness and mercy following us behind to ensure that we arrive there. Do you know what goodness and mercy are? They are hired hands. Go back and read John 10. It says they will not hear the voice of another. So God has appointed goodness and mercy. To ensure that his voice is heard by us. Keep your eyes on the goal. The goal is not a beautiful life in this world. That's just a tip of the iceberg. The goal is not a pretty life in this world. Trust me, it's a tip of the iceberg. When you see visions of glory. When the Holy Ghost opens up your mind to what eternity holds for you. Just a glimpse of it. You will never for a second desire less. No man has seen the courts of God. And desired the world. Not a man has ever seen the courts of God and desired the world. These things I'm declaring to you are the solution to the troubles in our city today. A people who know that no matter what happens, goodness and mercy is following you. You must know it. A people who know that after all said and done, the worst I can get in this world and the best I can get in this world still do not compare to the future I have in God. That is the hope we speak about. That's what the Bible says Abraham was looking forward to. 
A city whose architect and builder is the Lord. There is none on earth so built. None. 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 A city whose builder and architect is the Lord. This Jesus of whom we speak, to think that there will be no morning, noon, and night, will behold him forever. This Jesus of whom we sing, to think that there will be no morning, noon, and night, will behold him forever. This glory of which you hear, all the Abrahams and all the fathers, the icons of faith that you have read about, to think that a time will come, a day will come, that will never cease. There will be no morning, no, no, no night. When you see them regularly, the way you can see each other, and say, Elijah, what's going on? How are you today? What's happening? To think that you can look at John the Baptist and say, man, you are a brash guy. All that you ate was honey. Wow, wild guy. To think that you can look Elijah in the face and say, now what for you? You called lion to eat small children. What's, what was walking you? You can speak to them like that. To think that a day will come when you look at Samson and say, did you really carry the gates of a city? Philistia? I say, yes, I did. What were you on? On drugs? No, it was the Holy Ghost. To think that a day will come when you look directly in the eyeballs of David and say, now wow, only you. You have the heart of God, a man after God's heart. Yet, you slept with somebody's wife and killed your husband. You're such a bad guy. I say, that was that time I've changed. Praise God. Do you understand? A day when all your questions will be answered directly. What fellowship can be greater than that? What company can be greater than that? The Bible says you have this great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews chapter 11. They are cheering you on and telling you keep walking. Why are they saying keep walking? Because they are calling you to where they are. To the oriental stands in eternity. Well, when you arrive there, what you see will tell you. Nothing in this world can compare. There's no miracle you can receive. There's no blessing you can walk in. There's no anointing. There's no teaching and preaching. There's no wonder. There's no sign. There are no miracles that can compare to being married to the Lord. Where you are finally settled in your own home. Is that not the joy of every woman? It doesn't matter how women today form on Twitter and tell you, men has come. Every woman wants to marry. Every woman wants to marry deep in their heart. Every woman just believes that this come will not be my own. <laughs> Am I lying? That's the truth of the matter. And I assure you it will not be yours as long as you keep listening to the word. Yeah, because your eyes will be glazed with light. You have the ability to see beyond what appears. You will know liars from truth tellers. And then more than knowing liars, you yourself, you will be true. Because you must be what you are looking for. Praise God. Yeah. Because once you have become what you are looking for, you can't even attract what you don't need. That's the solution. If you become what you are looking for, you can't attract what you don't need. Yeah. All the nonsense boys bring to you, there are some women they are afraid to take it to. They just know that this one, forget. Oh, I can't forget. One time when Potakot, we went for a music competition. I was a judge. And so some people sent someone, say, how far will Tossie Martins now this night? My dear friend DJ Neto said, I don't know about that. <laughs> when he told me it was a testimony, some people thought it was that that means you are shy. No, this, this was my friend. He said, that was a Martin's one. Ah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that one will come with us. Forget it. They wanted to arrange babes for me. And my own friend was telling them, I don't know. I don't know about that. Is that your testimony? Yes, it can be. But there's no holiness in this world that compares to the beauty of holiness. A city where you don't need Nepal where the light of that city is God himself. Have you really considered the glories of heaven? A place where you no longer have to pray. Where there's no waking up nor laying down. Where there's no sickness in the body. A place where you don't need to travel. 
by transportation. You appear everywhere at the speed of thought. While you yet think it, you are there. How can that be less in your estimation and in your desire? How does that not weigh on you? How are you not looking forward to being married? That's what eternity is. Being married. And guess the beauty of this eternity? This marriage, there's no divorce. Because you're married to the holy and the faithful. And by the time he brings you forth, he has made you a bride, speckless, spotless. As at that time, you are confirmed. You please him eternally. That's why the Bible does not say, at his right hand there are pleasures. No, he says, at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. It's forever. It's forever. It abounds. I'm just trying to whet your appetite a little bit. But the Bible says, for now, let goodness and mercy suffice. For now, let goodness and what? Mercy suffice. Rise with me. I say, goodness and mercy. They're my village people. They follow me. They follow me. I have no bad days. I have no bad days. Because all the days of my life, goodness and mercy, they are following me. Lift your hands and say, in this month of June, in this new month, and for the rest of this year, only goodness and mercy, only goodness and mercy, only goodness and mercy, guaranteed to me, assured to me, they follow me, they keep me in the path, they follow me when I stray, they bring me back to the place where I ought to be. I keep walking after my shepherd, after my shepherd, and I am guaranteed that goodness and mercy follow me. They pursue me. They persecute me. They chase me. They chase me. They chase me every day in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, clap your hands, oh ye people. And shout unto God with the voice of triumph.